0: It doesn't really matter how much we charge. It doesn't really matter really anything about us and our organization, except where those things overlay with an action that our potential prospect wants to take and a decision that they want to
1: make. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. Consistently, I'm your host, David Schreiner Kahn. Today, on episode 636 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with digital entrepreneur Craig Swanson. In today's episode, Craig and I talk about something that many consultants struggle with sales. Stay with us to hear all the details. Craig shares how he benefited from exposure to others who had expertise that would benefit him and his business. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a place where members benefit from one another's expertise. It's a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active and empowering conversations are welcome. If you're committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Craig Swanson. Craig is a former IT consultant, co-founder of Creative Live, and Seattle EO Accelerator Chair. Craig, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Craig, you were in a consulting business for many years. How did you learn to sell and to sell consulting services? First of all, I've just got to say, I feel really lucky that I learned to sell early on.
0: So I started off as an IT consultant. We supported creative artists. So I support advertising agencies, design firms, photography studios, video production houses in the Seattle area. And one of my clients was a local print shop that I was helping set up their color separation system. They were working with with graphic artists. And just through circumstance of the new technology and the way everything worked, I ended up getting paired with their sales team. So a sales team of about 12 different people that went out and sold to local area companies and designers. And my job was to basically follow with them. And I became a sales engineer. I basically followed the sales rep. I was not responsible for the sale, but I was there to support any questions that were too technical to answer and to basically help solve problems that would prevent the work from being done. And as part of that, the sales manager for the company kind of took me under his wing, exposed me to some sales training, and really like, gave me kind of a conduit and a way of thinking about it that I would say transformed my life. If I had not gone through that, that opportunity, if I had not learned how to sell, I don't know that I ever would have been able to build what I've been able to build since then in my business. So I think it's a huge advantage to being able to represent myself and for people to learn how to do that for themselves.
1: So what were some of the things that changed in your mindset or your activities or strategy or or whatever else it was that was so dramatic? Well, so let's start with the the
0: fundamentals, which is, and it it turns some people off, I'm really comfortable talking about sales. I'm really comfortable thinking of myself as someone whose job it is to sell. And honestly, if there are one thing that I feel like people who say they may want to learn sales or or resistant to learning sales is that idea of what a picture of a salesperson is in their mind. And so I will say I got it framed by professionals. So I was trained with a group of professionals that were extremely good with really high integrity. And for me, one of the definitions of a salesperson is someone for whom every transaction increases trust in the next transaction. So a lot of people have a kind of a picture in their head about a sales role as someone that's just out there to just close whatever deal, burn whatever bridges they need to burn, be able to say anything they need to say in order to get someone to sign on the dot line. And there may be people that are out there, but I don't consider those people professionals. And I don't consider those people that I pattern myself after. For me, every relationship I am able to complete into an agreement to create a sales relationship or able to move forward, if I am doing it correctly. I am making the next one easier and the next one easier because I'm building trust at every phase, which means I have to help my prospect, the person I'm working with, come to a decision about yes or no moving forward, but it's not my job to make that decision for them, and it's not my job to trick them into that decision, and every phase along the way, if I can do it in a way that helps them get what they say they want, is going to increase trust next time.
1: Right. So one of the objectives is to help the prospect reach a decision point in the sales process, whether it is the ultimate decision to bring your company on or not, or some step along the way.
0: Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say for me, the way I was trained, we were trained with this mechanism called going for no. So I was actually in my sales relationships, My job is to try to uncover if there's an opportunity, if there's a need, if we can help them solve something, if they see a problem that we can solve. And my job is not to convince them past their objections, but to help them make a decision, yes or no, about whether this is the right move for them. Now, I do that with the mind that I need to be able to close sales and move forward. So I will honestly say that part of my sales process that I was taught is to come to a clear yes or no, because I think a lot of people end up going down a path of spending a lot of time talking about potential opportunities, but never getting to a clear yes or no, because we're so afraid of the no. If I'm afraid that someone's going to say no, I never actually ask if I can get to a yes. And for me... I got to a place where it's more important for me to be clear in my time and to not waste my time, not to waste the time of my partner and my prospect, get to a clear yes or no as early in the process as possible, and then start the consulting relationship if there is a relationship to start.
1: Right. And that reminds me of a really common problem that I see with consultants, which is where do you create the boundary between what you give away for free in the sales process? Versus what you start getting paid for in the client relationship process,
0: yeah, and actually in the in the sales training that I took, we had a term for what most sales processes were, which was the term was called unpaid consulting so if I as a in my sales role am doing a lot of time consulting and educating people on the actual product i 'm going to deliver then then i'm, I'm probably not servicing my clients well, and I'm not servicing myself well. And it is really tricky too, because for me, I came to realize as I was talking to clients, the difference between the conversation I was having to determine if there was a fit and whether we were going to move forward and the conversation we are going to have to actually start solving their problem and fixing things in their world. There was very little difference in what that looked like to the outside world. But the difference was whether I was being paid or not and whether they were committed to the process or not. Right. So how do you figure out where that boundary is? I mean, the answer is during the sales process, I should be focused almost 100% on the client's needs and the client's problems. And if I find myself offering solutions to those needs or to those problems, I am probably not serving them. I'm not serving me now i think that's a really difficult and hard thing for a lot of people to do especially if we're new to this role because there's this really strong sense of ego i really buffer my ego in a conversation by showing how smart i am by showing i know the answers to all the problems by being able to show off that i am intelligent and can answer these questions and honestly when i find myself doing that i'm serving me I'm trying to look good. I'm not actually serving the client. I'm not actually addressing the need at the time, which is helping them get clear on their needs and whether we can solve those needs and whether they want to move forward with us or not. So, I think on a really fundamental level, when I see brand new consultants out there in the field, they spend way too much time talking about themselves. They spend way too much time trying to protect the image that they can do the work or that, you know, or or proving that they're smart. And I understand that it, it can feel, feel very nerve wracking to be out there representing yourself. And, and we always want to like buffer our intelligence by, by proving that we know what we're doing. But honestly, at the point that we are talking to a new customer, to a new prospect, to a potential client, the only thing that matters is their needs. Our intelligence, our ability to solve those problems don't really come into the mix until their needs are defined and until they've decided to move forward with us.
1: Craig, how much do you think that is the inverse of the behavior that professionals are trained to use when they're applying for a job.
0: Yeah, when you're applying for a job, absolutely. Basically, you are given a list of questions that you're supposed to answer. I would even say even, even then if you are or, or in a job, like when you have a job and you're doing the work, we are just in this role of letting the other people set the priorities and basically doing what we're asked to do.
1: Yeah, because there are a lot of differences between employee behavior and consultant behavior.
0: So actually, this was the thing I was thinking back to when I was first learning about the sales process. And I was an IT consultant. I was used to getting calls all day long from clients having various problems. And the one thing I knew as an IT consultant, as an experienced IT consultant, is very rarely did someone call me with the problem that was actually causing their work problem. So clients would self-diagnose their problem, their computer problem. They would call me with a very narrowly focused question about how I fix X, Y, or Z. And if I just took their question at face value, answered their question about X, Y, Z, and hung up and called it a win for me as a consultant, chances are I was sending them down a path that was going to end up causing more problems for them in the future. Because very rarely were my clients sophisticated enough to be able to diagnose what problem they should be fixing. So one of the rules that we had as IT consultants is the actual problem your client is facing is generally three questions deep the client will come with some surface-level problem. And if I take that surface-level problem and solve it, then I'm not actually doing my job. I need to get below that. I need to get below that and figure out what's really going on. What's the business problem? What's going on with the computers, like. And the same question, the same surface-level problem could surface a wide variety of problems, including some problems that should not be solved technically in any way. And so when I was being taught this mechanism for sales that that I should focus on the client's needs and dig a little bit below what they bring me, the exact same analogy is in play. Very rarely are my customers at a place that they can self-diagnose their problems well enough that they can bring me the right problem for me to be able to solve. And if I just take their problem and start spitting out all the ways that I can solve that and show them how intelligent I am for that one problem, I'm probably doing them a disservice.
1: So how do you turn that question, which is a surface-level question about a problem, as they see it, into a sales conversation that can result in a yes or no answer about doing work together.
0: So one thing is to keep in mind that any question that a prospect asks, assuming that it's not the right question, assuming that it's not necessarily a question that actually reflects exactly the problem that they're having, that question is often one of the best indicators of some type of pain point inside of their organization or inside of themselves. And I'm trying to think here of different roles that we play, but when I am at my strongest as a consultant, it is genuinely in that role. I'm consulting. I'm not just a Wikipedia article. I'm not just re- reiterating back what their what their, the answer is. I am trying to understand what their problem is and trying to dig a little bit deeper. So how do I not solve the problem and turn it into a sales position? I try to get as curious as possible. I've developed skills over the years of being very comfortable not answering a direct question, but rather taking that direct question and turning it around and asking a question about why that question was the question they asked. You know, you, you've you asked a question about, about a staffing issue. Why is staffing the first thing that comes into play for this particular question? And I will say when when i am really comfortable when you're really comfortable it feels natural to the other person it feels entirely unnatural to the person who is doing the the asking when i am taking direct questions and redirecting them into a deeper way of asking it's a little bit like a psychologist or a therapist basically taking whatever the question was as an indicator of a topic and using that to dig a little bit deeper
1: well don't you think there's some parallels between therapy and consulting
0: I, oh, I do. I do.
1: And in, in fact,
0: I mean, you know, we talk about it for me, my experience always with clients was that unless a client, unless a client had a very critical problem in their life where they really need to have this thing solved, otherwise they were going to die or someone was going to die. Like there was a, there was a really critical problem. Most clients or potential clients wanted to look like they were addressing the problem more than they wanted to address the problem. Most clients kind of on a fundamental level wanted to bring in an outside expert to validate that they were okay, regardless of what they said. And so I'll tell you one of the easiest ways if you are an internal, if you're an internal customer within a large organization to look like you are solving a problem is to start having a bunch of sales conversations with a bunch of consultants that you might potentially hire to solve that problem. Because if anyone ever presses you to ask you if you're doing something to solve this problem, you can say, yes, I'm talking to a bunch of people and they are putting proposals and bids together for me. If I'm on the outside of that, I don't want to just be helping people solve their, I need to look like I'm solving a problem, problem. Or if I am helping them solve that, I want to be charging for that. So just it's really natural for your customers your potential customers to want to delay the hiring process to put to put delays in it to not be fully forthcoming of all the details to protect themselves to effectively looking in the sales process to get as much information out of us as possible and to be able to use that information to make it look like they are doing a good job at their internal job none of those things if we're really trying to help people solve problems within the organization are really solving those problems and so Yes, as you're talking about, a good therapist is willing to pause and do a pattern interrupt on the conversation that's happening and go a little bit deeper and ask people if they're really serious about solving problems and going below the surface level questions that they may be inclined to ask.
1: Yeah, that's actually an interesting question to, to pose the question to a prospect. How interested are you really in solving this problem?
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Because I'll tell you what, here are a bunch of things that don't matter until there is a problem to be solved. So a bunch of things that, that we as consultants might feel like we need to talk about. It doesn't really matter whether we're a one-person company or whether are a 100-person company. It doesn't really matter how much we charge. It doesn't really matter really anything about us and our organization, except where those things overlay with an action that our potential prospect wants to take in a decision that they want to make. We may feel like they're really important because they're really important to us, but you know just hypothetically if someone's not going to hire me doesn't matter whether i charge 100 dollars an hour or 100,000 dollars an hour if they're not going to hire me
1: quite true yeah i'd like to go back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier and and in particular focus on early stage consultants especially those that are coming out of a long long career as a high achieving employee where they're they've been mid to high level in an organization, and they they go from an overflowing inbox, a full calendar, a social structure, and they've always been needed. Yeah. They're used to being the resource to answer questions. And then they either leave voluntarily or they get pushed out and they decide, I'm going to do my own thing now. I'm going to take control over my career, control over my destiny, the kind of work that I do, and who I work with. I'm going to be a consultant in the same field. And they suddenly find themselves spending a lot of time alone, mm-hmm. which can be, you know, does a number on, on your mindset. Plus, what's really daunting for these folks is even if they've been in, in a marketing and sales role in their corporate jobs, they've never had to sell themselves before, which is something totally different. When you're a, a solo consultant, doesn't matter how you're providing the solution and what you're saying, you're selling yourself. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier about ego and and issues around self-confidence, it can be really daunting. And also, you're trying to sell something where you probably don't have a track record selling and delivering it in this framework before. So it can be really hard to do. And if you don't do it well, it just makes it really hard to get your business off the ground and create something sustainable. What kind of advice do you have for folks like that? I mean, there are so many things packed in there.
0: So first of all, identify with all of that. (laughs) And even more than not having a track record, a lot of the things that we're selling won't actually exist until we are actually engaged to create them. So there's not even something that we can point to on the shelf that represents the work product that we're going to create.
1: Very true. Yeah. So it is
0: all about a relationship. So to the extent that that one can, I would say the people who can make this transition the best are the people who can depersonalize this for themselves who can see themselves either as unrelated to the conversation that's happening or see the product that they produce as something that is separate from themselves and actually along those lines one of the things I was I was taught early on in sales is sometimes one of the easiest way to learn to sell is to sell something other than myself So find a volunteer organization that is in the spirit of the same clients and customers you want to work with. And sometimes it's easier to learn the very basics of having a needs conversation for people when I am not potentially the the thing that they're going to be buying. When I can, in this process of focusing on the customer's needs and not mine, I was thinking about this earlier A lot of times I would go through the exact same sales process of digging in deeply to understand someone's needs. And usually for me, um, a one-hour sales conversation was about 45 minutes to 50 minutes of me asking questions and getting a picture of their understanding of their scenarios, building trust, and then maybe 10 minutes of me kind of like providing a path for them to the next step. A lot of times the path for me for the next step was not even me. A lot of times when I am so focused on getting to understand their needs... I may end up defining their budget and defining their needs and their parameters for a job that I may be not appropriate for, and be able to give them a referral to someone else. And it was on one of those times when I realized how good I was at identifying someone's needs and purposes and budget. When I knew I was not in the running because I knew I was out of out of the picture, that I started to point that back to myself. And, and specifically, there there was a. This was probably in my first year. Maybe it was my second year of, of selling. Early on, I realized I was just not the person. I was not the person that was, we all fix this. It was a database creation process, but it was something I had spec'd out for another client earlier that I thought would work. And because it was someone else's company, I knew some of the information about, I got in really deep about their budget, got really clear on the decision-making process, got really clear on all these things. And I felt really comfortable digging in because I knew I was not gonna use that information to sell me. I was gonna use that information to create a referral that could potentially help them move forward to someone else. And in doing so, I realized the clarity of my questions when it was not about me were so much more focused and so much more useful for my client, my potential client. That I try to trick myself into thinking it's not about me. And this whole phrase about it's about them. The less I am concerned about how good or bad I look, and the more concerned I am about their needs, the less I have to worry about how I'm going to have to perform. Which also, and I will honestly say, a lot, a lot of what we do in sales, if we're new is to solve our problem on our side of the table about how I feel about me. And if I can get past that by getting that somewhere else in my life, support of friends, good therapist, I can think of less positive ways to do this, but basically find, a, find my needs elsewhere in my life. The more I can sit across from a prospect focused on their needs and let it just kind of go about me, like not worry about what they think of me, I think that type of mindset increasingly puts us in a good position to be able to serve people and be able to close sales that are going to be useful for us.
1: Well said. Craig, before we close out, I know we've we've covered a lot of territory around sales issues, but before we close out, can you talk a little bit about sort of where you are now in your your own career and I don't know like what's on the horizon for you in the in the future? Yeah. So I, as I said, I was a consultant for about 25 years. Today, I
0: actually work with influencers and people that have fairly large audiences to create online uh, digital video and digital education platforms for people with really large audiences that are doing some type of recurring revenue model with their clients. And so I do a lot of deal making with people that have. 250,000 or above followers on some type of social media or that are doing several hundred thousand dollars in online digital sales. And I will say just related to that the place I use my sales skills I built up over the years more than any other place is not when I am the one who is buying something or not not when I am the person who is selling something but when I'm the person who is buying something. Often most of my sales relationships these days end up with me writing a check. But it's the exact same skills because ultimately, sales is about helping someone step forward to make a choice on something. And if I'm trying to, to bring a partner into my life, that is as big a sales role as if I'm trying to get hired for a, um, for a gig.
1: Fascinating. Mm-hmm. And what, what does the future look like for you?
0: Future for me, I am really focused on supporting and educating on uh, up-and-coming entrepreneurs. So uh, you mentioned I am the chair for the Seattle EO Accelerator Program. That is a program for uh, entrepreneurs that are doing over $250,000 a year but have not broken a million yet. And uh, it's a two-year program that I am lucky enough to, to be chairing, and it's really great. So that's my, that's my current focus over the coming several years.
1: Sounds great. Craig, if someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, um, get in touch with you, access any resources you may have, where would be the best place for them to go?
0: Best place to go is my hub is my name, craigswanson.org. It's not .com, it's .org. I keep making an offer to that other Craig Swanson every year or so for for an increasing amount of money, but so far he's not willing to sell it. And uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to reach me online outside of that.
1: Sounds great. Well, I want to thank you so much, Craig, for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest today has been digital entrepreneur, Craig Swanson. Thank you again, Craig, for joining us.
0: Thank you very much, David.
1: When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Craig shared how he benefited from exposure to others who had expertise that would benefit him and his business. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a place where members benefit from one another's expertise. It's a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active, and empowering conversations are welcome. If you are committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.